You're just doing as you're told at home, taking care of the animals, sweeping the house. One day, your older brother, who's 18, calls you up from the other side of the world. As a U.S. Army soldier, he gets the opportunity to travel to many places, and currently he's in Afghanistan. As you pick up the phone, you're excited. What does he have to say? He quickly explains to you that during summer vacation, he wants you to come visit him, and quickly you agree and begin to make plans. Finally, summer arrives. Before you board on the airplane, your father gives you a pot of his homemade famous sloppy joes, your brother's favorite. Once you arrive in Afghanistan, you quickly rush to your brother, giving him a hug and the sloppy joes. Yes, I've been so hungry. These are my favorite. Thank you so much. He says, how are you? I'm good, you reply. As night fell, you could tell that there was something unusual about the troops. They looked nervous as if they were anticipating horror. You ask your brother, what's wrong? Nothing, he says, but you knew better. Soon enough, you discovered that the men knew they couldn't defeat the enemy. For the last 40 days, they have been provoking and disrespecting your army. The next morning, the officer in charge says, I know you all are scared, but the enemy has decided to choose one man to fight, and that will um, define the result of the entire battle. Our verse, best man versus their best man. All of a sudden, you hear a lot of chatter. Have you seen their best man? He's huge. Who wants to fight for us, says the officer in charge. Cricket, cricket, cricket. Who wants to volunteer for the position? Nothing. Please, I ask you that you do your service for this country. Who will do the honors? Cricket, cricket, cricket. As the officer in charge looks at his troops with disappointment, you jump forward. I will. He, he looks at you in shock and says, you aren't going to win. You aren't going to win by pressing A, B, X, Y and moving around the joystick, you know? This isn't call of duty. I know, you reply. You aren't able... You are not able to go fight with him, for you are a youth, a man of war from his youth. After about an hour of contemplation, the officer in charge realizes that there is no one else that will step up to the challenge. Reluctantly, he tells his men to suit you up, and you come out looking like this. Foom, foom. After two minutes of walking, barely walking, you decide, this isn't going to work. I need something else. So they put you into something lighter. Aha. This is, this is okay, but it's still not what I'm looking for. Finally, you find a uniform that is tolerable. They quickly give you an arsenal of grenades, handguns, automatic rifles, sniper weapons, everything you might need. But you decline. Why? Are you crazy? All the men say to you. I wouldn't even win inside a tank. As you march down into the valley where the battle will take place, 
you hear nothing but laughter. As you shout to the enemy, you come to me with an AK-47, with a rocket launcher, and with an overhead drone, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Carefully, you choose five stones from the river and begin to swing. And the sling went round and round, and round and round and round and round and round and round and round. And one little prayer went up to God, and the giant came tumbling down. I'm sure you've guessed it. Who am I? Who are you? David, right? Have you ever been told that you can't do something just because you were too young, too short, or too weak? The story of David and Goliath is a perfect example of how youth can be strong and have faith in God. What does the Bible say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 Nothing is impossible with God. One of the first times I spoke in front of a crowd, I could hear people talking about me without them knowing. They didn't believe that a kid at only 13 could speak in front of hundreds of people. However, it's only my mouth, but his words. Throughout biblical history, there are so many examples of how God's people can be when they trust God with all their heart. In 1 Samuel 17, we learn of the story of David, a young man after God's own heart. A kid who was only a shepherd boy, but defeated a whole army, and the most powerful man, just because he had trust. In 2 Kings 5, the little Israelite maid helped to save the life of Naaman, just by faith. Not long after 1844, at age 17, Ellen G. White, chosen by God, had her first vision that changed our world forever. In the book of Daniel, we learn of Daniel and his friends, who remained faithful and truthful to God and everything they stood for in the midst of constant temptation. Each of these stories and people are examples of how people can make a difference when they're joined together with God. As Christians, we should work together to make a difference in our world. Not only are we examples to our family and friends, but even strangers too. Many times I've gone to the store with my grandmother and she'll say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna approach that person there. And I'm like, why grandma, don't please. And she'll, she'll walk up to the person and she'll tap on their shoulder. Are, are you Seventh-day Adventist? And I'm over here in the corner freaking out. I'm like, why are you talking to strangers? Didn't, you ever, didn't your mom tell you not to talk to strangers? And the person's like, yes, I am. How did you know? When our hearts are on fire for Christ, people can see Jesus in our character and actions. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever tried to build a fire? I'm sure you've gone camping before and tried to create the largest fire known to man. In order to build a fire, you need three things. Oxygen, fuel, and a spark. I have something to show you. What I have brought today is a key component of fire. Yes, these are sticks, plain old ordinary sticks. However, these sticks are different from each other. You can have long, thin sticks, or even short, thicker ones. 
Although these are different, they both represent Christians. Are all Christians the same? No, right? Some Christians might be a little taller. Some of us may enjoy potluck more than others. However, despite our diversities, there is one thing we have in common, and that's our Father. The smaller sticks, which might be considered kindling, represent the younger generation of Christians, while the larger sticks represent the older generation of Christians. When you're building a fire, can you create it with one big log? Can you, can you start that fire? No, right? No matter how many times you try, it just won't catch. Can you start a fire with only the little sticks? You could probably, but how long would it last? In Psalms 133.1, it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Unity. Hmm. When we have the younger generation and the older generation combine, can we create a fire that will last forever? First Corinthians 12.27 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Ellen G. Wyatt's message to young people, page 18, paragraph 1, says, Let the youth remember that here they are to build characters for eternity, and that God requires them to do their best. Let those older in experience watch over the younger ones, and when they see them tempted, take them aside and pray with them and for them. Alone we are weak. Unfortunately, it's a fact that we must realize. Together we are strong. When Satan tempts us, we might know what's right and wrong. However, as new Christians, maybe we're not strong enough by ourselves. Maybe we just snap. Perhaps if we stick together, we cannot snap as easily. And Daniel, well, let's find out the truth in the Bible. In Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, in Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were cast into a fiery furnace for disobeying the king's order to bow down to the golden image. In Daniel 3, verse 20, it says, And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. In verse 22, it says, Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flames of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was so hot that even the men who opened the door and closed it, they perished. Can you imagine a fire that hot? In Daniel 3.24, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said, to the king, true, O king. Wait a minute. If three men went into the fire, how could there be four? Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. And it says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. Aha, so if we trust in God and come together, God will be here with us? 
how do we come together? Is unity as easy as sitting in the same room? Remember the different types of stick I mentioned in the beginning? If I put the larger log here, and I put all of the shorter sticks here, representing the older generation and the younger generation, can, is it possible for the older generation and the younger generation to exist in the same church without being unified under the fire of Christ? If you have a large log here and short sticks here, can you create a fire? No, right? It's too far apart. Even though they might be in the same fire pit, if they're not together, there's no way it can light. No matter our age, gender, or race, we need to stand together for what we believe. And how exactly do we become unified? We need to get to know each other. What makes me, me, and what makes you, you? Have you ever spent three to four hours at church and realized that you left and you didn't really know anyone? Truly, truly know somebody? Last month I had the opportunity to visit camp meeting in Camp Kalakwa. And on, the mor on Friday morning, one of the pastors gave a devotional on the love of God in church. And he described several different types of relationships within the church. And the first relationship was the acquaintance. The acquaint How many of you have ever done this? Happy Sabbath! Good to see you. How are you? Hope you had a good week. What was her name again? I can't remember. Although there's nothing wrong with this, and I'm guilty of it too, it, it doesn't allow you to actually get to know someone and become a good friend. The second type of relationship is a friend. Perhaps you know their name, and you know whether they miss church or not. Hey, is Pastor Bill here, by the way? The third relationship is brother and sister. In this relationship, you can consider him or her family. You know, you're not afraid to be yourself around them. And both of you strengthen each other's spiritual life. And the last and most significant relationship is intimate relationship. When you have an intimate relationship, we are unified. Have you ever had a really good friend and you both thought the same thing or he or she knows what you're thinking? For example, perhaps your friend has said this to you. Eric... No, don't do it. I know exactly what you're thinking. Stop. Or, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I'm thinking what you're thinking. Let's do it. We know everything about each other. That's what an intimate relationship is. And this is the relationship we want to have with God. Let's look at Matthew 18.20 again. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. If we want to continue to have God constantly with us throughout our lives, we all need to be on fire for Christ. Together, we need to help each other learn to love Jesus and trust Him no matter what. Our lives need to remain on fire for Christ together. Our lives shouldn't be at a fire that is comfortable, you know, made to make us cozy and warm. It's supposed to be a bonfire, seven times hotter than the hottest fire, like Nebuchadnezzar said. 
When everyone comes to share, it's supposed to be a fire where everyone comes to share the warmth. Not only are we helping each other grow spiritually for the years to come, but we are teaching the next generation. The youth is not the future of the church, it is the present. As a youth, I ask you all today to carve the way for our generation. You never know. One day, maybe one of our youth will preach a sermon. In conclusion, I'll, I'll pray. Dearly Father, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you that we all could come here this morning. Please help us to be on fire for you and work together and unify for one goal, and that's to spread your love and to try to get as many people to follow you so we can all be in heaven together. Lord, as, as we continue this worship service, I pray that your Holy Spirit remains with us and we all, we all leave today know, learn, getting to know someone as well as getting to know you more. In your name I pray, amen.